0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. Wednesday edition. Let's talk a little Ohio State football, a little college football, a little NFL football, and some off the field NFL football. John Gruden. Yeah, I'll get to his emails. I appreciate you guys joining me today. I appreciate it if you would patronize my friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters in Mechanicsburg. They do a great job with coffee, with cocal chocolate, which is gluten-free, Non-GMO, all the freeze and uh, healthy types of aspects of dark chocolate-like goodness that you want, all available to you at 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. We Tackle Life in all caps. Check it out: HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So first of all, we get to the Ohio State Buckeyes who are off this week. I don't know if you like off weeks. I hated them as a reporter. It just felt like an eternity between games. I'm sure Ryan Day's glad for it. Well, I guess I'm not really sure if he's glad for it or not. They seem to be playing pretty well right now after smoking Rutgers in Maryland, the Jim Delaney dessert portion of the Big Ten menu they get Indiana on the road 7:30 p.m. game not this coming Saturday but the following Saturday there'll be a big contingent of Buckeye fans over there. I use okay but I think Ohio State will probably score 38-45 eh, somewhere in that neighborhood and Indiana will probably score eh, 14 maybe 20. Feels like 42 to 20 as a win maybe for Ohio State. Second half of the schedule, Penn State the following week. Michigan State's lingering out there. Michigan, of course, is lingering out there. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes will have a much harder time getting to Indianapolis with one loss than Iowa will have getting to Indianapolis undefeated. That's because Iowa's home games the rest of the year, after its 23 20 win over Penn State, Iowa plays Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois at home. Wouldn't think they'd lose any of those. Minnesota, maybe, but Minnesota lost to Bowling Green, and they're without Ibrahim. The tailback that Ohio State had to deal with until he tore his Achilles in the third quarter, the Hawkeyes on the road play Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Nebraska. Wisconsin and North and Wisconsin and Nebraska could have a little something for Iowa. Uh, if you watch Nebraska and Michigan on Saturday night, you know that Nebraska is not a total pushover. They played a very tough schedule. Played Oklahoma. They played Michigan State. Played Michigan. I don't think those teams are world beaters, any of them, but they're better than the average run-of-the-mill walkover opponent. And Scott Frost right now is 0-10 against ranked teams. I could see a scenario. I don't know who Nebraska plays in the interim. Maybe they could get a win over a ranked team before they play Iowa on the Friday after Thanksgiving. But I could see if Nebraska's there and it's a hot seat for Scott Frost-type game, got to win it or he's fired – I could see that being a dangerous game for Iowa. Uh, Wouldn't change the West standings. Wouldn't change that Iowa's going to win the West. But Ohio State would want to play an undefeated Iowa in the Big Ten title game if Ohio State had its druthers. You get credit for the quality of opponent you beat. It is not hard to envision Ohio State being in a battle at the end of the year with once-beaten Oregon, uh, undefeated Cincinnati, uh, undefeated or once beaten Oklahoma, once beaten Alabama, once beaten Georgia. All those teams could be right there on the cusp, maybe even once beaten Notre Dame. So if that happens, you want to play a team that's ranked as high as possible. If Iowa loses to Nebraska and they tumble down to 11, 12 in a country, that won't be good for Ohio State. So you want Iowa to get to Indianapolis undefeated. Right now they're undefeated. Their schedule looks like eh, you ought to be able to stay undefeated, but I wouldn't be too sure about that given the fact that Nebraska could be an emotional game for Scott Frost. Now, do I think Nebraska should fire Scott Frost? No, I don't. You want a coach who wants to be where he is. And given what Nebraska was, it's going to take Scott Frost a little bit longer to kind to find the kind of players he wants. Now you can't make a mistake if you're going to hold a team, uh, hold a coach to you got to turn it around in five years. Every class has got to be a hit. Now you get there when he got there after taking Central Florida to an undefeated season. You get a late start in recruiting, so your first class is kind of a wash. And we got Adrian Martinez in that first class, but still, I think it'd be silly for Nebraska to think it could do better right away in 2022 and 2023 than it would do if it kept Scott Frost around and stayed with the same program. So I would stick with that, uh, but who knows? Athletic directors are stupid, and they do stupid things sometimes. Fan bases force them into doing stupid things sometimes. Now, elsewhere around college football, there are considerably hot seats at LSU and at Miami, and Ed Orgeron is a dead man walking at LSU. He just is. Thanks for the national title, Ed. Appreciate your phony Cajun accent. Wonderful memories, you, Joe Burrow. But you're 8-8 eight and eight since winning the title, and all five of the games the rest of the season are against ranked opponents in the SEC. You're not going to do very well. You're going to be gone. Here's what I want to know. There are two coaches out there That I don't think want to go out the way they are either having, they already have gone out or are likely to go out in the NFL. One, of course, is Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Now, I'm not saying Urban should be fired or will be fired, but if they don't win and they are bearing down on the NFL record for consecutive losses at 26, and only what, four, five, six of those are Urban, nevertheless uh 15 of them were uh last year uh they won their opener last year lost the rest of their games they are what oh and five now so yeah so does urban meyer want to come back to jacksonville for a second season does Shad Khan want to pay him to come back aside from all the bar drama with the blonde girl dancing around urban but if Urban would get fired in Jacksonville, or if he'd say, you know, this NFL thing's not for me, I, I got to get out of here. Does he want to end one of the greatest coaching careers of all time, going out as a laughing stock to the people who enjoy making fun of him? Now, hear me clearly on this. I'm not saying he's a laughing stock. I'm saying the people who don't like Urban Meyer and are jealous of Urban Meyer and want to make Urban Meyer look bad will delight in Urban struggling and, let's say, ending his NFL career after one season. I don't think you want to go out that way when you're a young man. But, of course, he's got the bar video. Now, the bar video is not nearly as big a stumbling block in light of John Gruden's emails, which I will have something to say about John Gruden's emails a little later in the podcast, and I want to make clear. John Gruden's emails, two things can be true at once. John Gruden's emails can be a really bad optic But to fire him over that, I think, is stupid, and I'll tell you why after I go through all the stuff that's a lot more important than that. Okay, but John Gruden and Urban Meyer will be out there with jobs open at USC, LSU, maybe Miami, and maybe Nebraska. Those are four big-time college football programs. College fans are not nearly as hung up on optics. Presidents are. Boards of trustees are. The woke media is fan bases just want to win they just want to win so we'll see uh but that's where things stand right now with uh the nfl and john gruden's exit from the raiders and urban meyers possible exit from the jacksonville jaguars uh john gruden i don't know if he's gonna get paid by mark davis or not but if he does not get paid then maybe John Gruden needs a better attorney than he has. And if he needs a good attorney, I got one. Willis Spangler Starling, they're my attorney firm. They're located in Hilliard on Truman Boulevard. They'll do a great job for you negotiating a contract, keeping you out of a jackpot, taking care of your legal rights, defending them staunchly, legally, with integrity. You don't want to get mixed up with an attorney who's not trustworthy and doesn't know the law and will play fast and loose with it, that'll eventually come back to haunt you. It never will, Willis Spangler Starling, because they do things by the book, but they fight hard for you, whether it's Will's estate planning, personal injury, Social Security disability, workers' compensation. Willis Spangler Starling is my firm. They should be yours. Look for them online at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Truman Boulevard and Hilliard, just north. Of Mill Run, Target, Home Depot, right there at Mill Run and 270. Okay, college football weird weekend. Oklahoma Yanks Spencer Rattler comes back and beats Texas. Now they got a quarterback controversy. Alabama loses to Texas A&M. Bama, I got bad news for you. Plays one ranked team the rest of the year. I said LSU plays five. Bama plays the rest of the regular season. Six games left. Arkansas, the only ranked opponent they play. Now, they play LSU, but LSU has Daryl Stingley Jr. out for the season. He's their best defensive back. Their best wide receiver is out. They're in disarray. I would not think Bama would lose to LSU. So, four of the six Nick Saban National Championships have resulted with teams that lost a regular season game. So, by no means... Is Alabama out of it? Their schedule is very conducive. They likely will have a shot at impressing the college football playoff committee by playing Georgia in the SEC title game. It wouldn't shock me if Bama runs the table and gets in against Georgia and plays Georgia in a great game. It wouldn't shock me if Bama got in anyway. And I know people howl as though there's never been a two-loss team in. If you lose by three to Texas A&M on the road at Texas A&M, and you lose in a close game against Georgia, I think it's pretty hard to say you're not one of the best four teams in the country. But we'll have to see how the rest of the season shakes out. Cincinnati is ideally placed, baby. They are number three right now. Iowa is not going to stay number two. I think it's very possible Georgia doesn't stay undefeated. Georgia's got to play Florida. Georgia's got to play Alabama. We might have the perfect storm where Cincinnati has a legit win at Notre Dame, a legit win at Indiana, rollover wins in the rest of the AAC, and I think the Cincinnati Bearcats have, if they protect the house going the rest of the way, win every game by three touchdowns, I don't know how you keep them out. I really do not know how you keep the Cincinnati Bearcats out of the college football playoff. And that could come at the expense of Ohio State, or it could come with Ohio State in the playoff and Ohio State and UC playing a first-round game. I'll continue to pound that drum because I would be excited to see that. Cincinnati is legit. So legit, I today saw Desmond Ritter's name pop up on the Heisman list. And if you think about it, who else is going to win the Heisman? Like, why would C.J. Stroud or Matt Corral at Mississippi or Bryce Young at Alabama be any better Heisman candidate than Desmond Ritter? Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati is a really good runner. He's a really good thrower. He quarterbacks an undefeated team. He's won at Notre Dame. He's made all the throws that you need to make. Des Ritter is a viable candidate. Now, he doesn't have the big name recognition and stuff, but I could see if we don't have a clear-cut guy, Des Ritter could be a player in the Heisman conversation. Now, uh, before I get into the NFL and the uh, John Gruden uh, thoughts that I have, uh, let me make sure that I thank my friends at auiinfo.com. They are a health insurance brokerage, a health insurance brokerage that would be free if you decide to use them. Not because you listen to the podcast, although you probably wouldn't know about them unless you listen to the podcast. But they are free because they are always free to the consumer when you look for health insurance, you must get it from a carrier, and that carrier is very happy to do business with you as a client, and so they pay AUI. You don't have to pay AUI. But AUI, of course, is working hard for your business, giving you good information on doctors, hospitals, co-pays, costs, coverage. That way, you'll select from an option that aui presents you maybe it's aetna maybe it's this company maybe it's that company maybe it's this chamber of commerce plan maybe it's healthcare.gov whatever it is you'll pick from their array of options and it serves them to give you every option then that carrier will pay aui it works for you as an individual it works for you if you're a business owner and you're trying to find hey who offers what to my employees i got three employees i got five i got ten i got fifty I would like to know if I can bundle with other businesses. Can I belong to a Chamber of Commerce plan? Yes, you can. Does AUI have some proprietary plans that no one else has? Yes, they do. AUIinfo.com. Again, I know you think this is like can't be true that you could get something of value for nothing. This is perhaps the only case where you can. AUIinfo.com. I just give you the call letters and the website because you can go and type your questions into a chat. If you need to have a phone conversation, want to have a phone conversation, you can. If you want to go into their office and meet with them, you can. But it's easiest I've found for what I do with them on chat at auinfo.com. A-U-I-info.com. Browns and Bengals this week. Bengals, Joe Burrow had a throat contusion. I've never had a throat contusion. So he was not talking as much as normal on his Wednesday press availability. Uh, he plays against Mr. Spielman's Detroit Lions at Ford Field on Sunday. I would think the Bengals would get to 4-2 and two in that game. Um, let's see. The Lions have lost at the buzzer on a 66-yard field goal. They lost at the buzzer this past week on a 55-yard field goal. So perhaps in their future is a crushing loss at the Horn in a on a 44-yard field goal, as we seem to be going down incrementally in heartbreaking field goals for Mr. Spielman and the Honolulu Blue. The Arizona Cardinals provide the opposition for the Cleveland Browns. Arizona comes into um, First Energy Stadium undefeated with Kyler Murray at quarterback. Oh, doesn't this make for a delicious pairing? Kyler Murray, the quarterback who succeeded Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, who, like Baker Mayfield, got his team in the playoff, and like Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy, unlike Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray has his team high up in the NFL power rankings and has no one questioning whether he is a franchise quarterback. There are some people who are questioning that with Baker in the aftermath of the Browns' loss to the L.A. Chargers. I'm not necessarily saying Baker's not the answer in Cleveland. I'm saying I still need that blank filled in for me. And it seems that we have come to a point with the Browns quarterback situation where you either have to commit your undying love to Baker Mayfield right now, or you have to say, that's it. Off with your head, done with you, let's go find another quarterback. I think there is a happy middle ground between the two, and that's where I exist. I tweeted the other day the actual NFL stats on career fourth-quarter comebacks because Lamar Jackson led a fourth-quarter comeback for the Ravens on Monday night. Everybody's like, oh, look at Lamar Jackson, and oh, look at the the great uh, Kyler Murray and the great Justin Herbert and all these young quarterbacks who are better than Baker. Well, Baker Mayfield has seven fourth-quarter comebacks in his career. So he does have fourth-quarter comebacks. It's not like you're waiting for him to have his first one. But is it a problem for the Browns and their attempt to get to the Super Bowl, that right now in the division, I think two of the teams that they will have to deal with for the rest of Baker Mayfield's careers career have quarterbacks that I think those teams are more certain of than the Browns. The Ravens certainly feel great about Lamar Jackson. The Bengals certainly feel great about Joe Burrow. Now, I would have to say that I think Joe Burrow is definitely guy that the Bengals need to lead him to a Super Bowl I remain unconvinced that Lamar Jackson's brand of football is sustainable I just don't think and I know we set an NFL record for completions on Monday night I don't believe Lamar Jackson can go back in the pocket and get it done drive in and drive out I just don't now if he can Kudos to the Ravens. Maybe he will. I thought the Colts were playing not to lose on Monday night. I do not still say that I could buy Lamar Jackson as a franchise quarterback for the next eight years. Can I say that about Baker? No. Can I come closer to saying that about Baker than Lamar? (laughs) No. I don't know, man. I mean, Lamar's been an MVP, and mm, Baker, I just, Baker, Baker. Uh, No, I can't say that either. So that's where we are with the uh, quarterbacking situation, which brings us now to our final pre-faith portion of the podcast thoughts about John Gruden and his uh, exit from the NFL. Okay, I would assume you now have become aware of why John Gruden resigned the other night as the las vegas raiders head coach the nfl has been engaged in a email forensic investigation of the washington football team because there were complaints about a sexual harassment mindset in the washington football team's organization in the course of that investigation there were emails uncovered between John Gruden and the Redskins, like, I think, pro personnel guy, Bruce Allen. And in those emails, Gruden said things that you would not say in polite company about Roger Goodell, about uh, Demoris Smith, the uh, African-American head of the Players Association, about Michael Sam, the gay player from Missouri who was drafted by the then St. Louis Rams, but about uh, women officials, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So there's this mindset out there now. I don't know how we got into it, but we got into this mindset now where your private communication reveals your authentic self. That's out there now. Like, oh, if we could really find out what this guy thinks, if he really deeply harbors hatred in his heart, or he's a racist, or he's misogynistic, or he's homophobic, or whatever. Like, if we find any evidence that that's somewhere deep in his past, Buried down, not disclosed, but now we uncover it. That's who he really is. Okay, I do not subscribe to that opinion. I believe that. We all have a bunch of darkness in our system. Uh, the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. All men are born with a sin nature. Doesn't mean all men say the things in an email that's 10 years old that John Gruden said. But it also, I think, is completely irrational to believe that John Gruden is the only NFL coach who would not have been wild about women becoming officials, about Michael Sam coming in and playing for their team. Because what do NFL coaches hate? A distraction. What is it when you have a player who's not a starter, who commands an overwhelming amount of attention? A distraction, whether it's Tim Tebow, whether it's Michael Sam, whether it's Colin Kaepernick, whether it's Eric Reed, whatever, for whatever reason, you can kneel for the anthem, you can be gay, you can be a Christian, whatever it is. If you are someone who brings a distraction to your team, by that I mean extra media attention for something other than football, that's probably a guy that, unless you can win games for him, the coach would rather you not be around. And that, of course, was. Michael Sam, just like it is Carl Nassib, just like it is Tim Tebow, just like it is Colin Kaepernick. Okay. So my one thought at the top is your authentic self is how you actually act. It's not the inner darker thoughts that you harbor because you don't express those because you know they're not polite. They're not appropriate. They're not uh, righteous thoughts. They're not good to act on. Uh, Just because John Gruden said something ugly about Michael Sam, do you think if Michael Sam was on the Raiders and John Gruden needed him to win a game and Michael Sam helped him to win a game, do you think that John Gruden would bench him because of his sexual orientation? Now, you may think that. I just don't happen to agree with that because he's playing Carl Nassib and Carl Nassib's gay. So I think that refutes that idea. Would you prefer that John Gruden not say those things in an email? Yes, you would prefer that. Are you free to think less of John Gruden because he said those things in email? Yes, you are free to do that. But if we're going to eliminate every NFL coach who's against female officials, gay football players, doesn't think Roger Goodell's doing a good job, and is cranky toward the head of the Players Association for insisting on more money and cutting down practice time, then you're going to have a lot of openings in head coaching offices in the National Football League. That's one Area of my thoughts on John Gruden. A second area of my thoughts on John Gruden is we love these stories collectively. We love them. We eat them up. We immerse ourselves in them because it allows us collectively to point our finger and say, shame, shame, shame on you. What a horrible, terrible, evil, awful, very bad person you are. By contrast, look at me. They don't have any emails of me saying that about anybody. Nobody knows what my deepest thoughts are. Which, therefore, must mean that my deepest, darkest thoughts are so much better than yours. No, it just means they're unknown. That's all it means. But that is the presumption. And so when people like Stephen A. Smith and Mina Kimes and Dan Orlovsky and all these people get on ESPN and other networks and pontificate about John Gruden, I just sort of think, well... Uh, In order for me to take you seriously, I'm going to need to see every email you sent to a close friend over the last 10 years before I can feel good about the fact that you do not have inside you some of the same darkness that is inside John Gruden and Bruce Hooley and every single person who's ever lived. That's what I need. So feel free to provide that. Until then, I will lightly tread around your uh, very dim opinions of John Gruden. You're entitled to them. But let he is without sin cast the first stone. The other thing I would like to know about this is, when did we get to the point where a person's accomplishments are completely and totally revoked because at one point in their life, they did one thing we all agree is not ideal, right? We are there right now in our society. You could be the person who cures cancer. If we find an email where you use the N word or where you said something bad about someone who's Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, eh, you can probably get away with Jewish. You can definitely get away with Christianity. You can bang on that all you want to. But, oh, don't bang on a Muslim. Don't bang on someone who's Hindu. Don't make fun of someone's physical characteristics that are common to their ethnicity, because then that will neuter the fact that you have saved millions and millions and millions of lives by curing cancer. Do we not see how ridiculous that is? That a person who has done one thing wrong, horribly wrong, one thing wrong, they therefore have no redeeming value. They must be shunned. They must be shamed. They must be shunted aside in society. They must be forever branded the way that John Gruden must be forever branded. Because he sent an email to a close friend where they engaged in locker room talk that was intemperate, disrespectful, and inappropriate. We must marginalize him. So that's another part of this that I struggle to process. And finally, I think finally, maybe there's more. I don't know. I saw Randy Moss talking about this on TV, and Randy Moss brought himself to tears talking about how disappointed he was in John Gruden. Okay, that's Randy Moss's right to cry about that. I am somewhat struck by the fact that Randy Moss was so moved, I don't purport to understand. Maybe he... Considered John Gruden a very close friend, and he felt betrayed by a close friend. I've been betrayed by close friends. I understand the sense of betrayal. But here's what I would say to Randy Moss and anybody else who is deeply, deeply, deeply offended by someone making a comment about someone who shares your, whatever, ethnicity, religious belief, sexual preference, anybody. Like, if they say something about somebody... Like I grew up, uh, like right now, I, uh, let's say I go to a Baptist church and if John Gruden had, had ripped on Baptists, or if John Gruden had ripped on white people with uh, Scottish and German ancestry, or if John Gruden had ripped on journalists who gravitated from the news media into broadcast media, or if John Gruden had named me personally and had eviscerated me with his words. It would not move me to tears. And the reason why it would not move me to tears is because I do not give John Gruden, and I would say to Randy Moss, he shouldn't give John Gruden either, the power over him to affect him so deeply. People will let you down. It doesn't mean you can't like people. It doesn't mean you can't trust people. It means you need to keep things in the proper perspective. It's a little different if your wife lets you down, if your daughters or your son lets you down, or a very, very extremely close friend, and maybe Gruden is a close friend of Randy Moss, I don't know. But I thought a lot of Randy Moss's response was theatrical and put on. And even if it was genuine, I would say to Randy Moss, why would you let that guy's opinion of somebody who shares your race affect you? Is it Is it possible? Is it even broadly possible that John Gruden can harbor anger, animosity, vengeance toward Demoris Smith, the black head of the NFL Players Association, and at the same time that John Gruden could think Randy Moss is one heck of a guy? Is that possible? I think that's more than uh, possible. I think it's quite likely because John Gruden relates to Demoris Smith on a completely different level. John Gruden wants to play football. He wants football players at practice. He, th- he sees Demoris Smith as an impediment to players being at practice, and he doesn't like Demoris Smith. I don't think John Gruden blamed Randy Moss for anything that happened on Demoris Smith's watch. So this is a leap of faith that we make when somebody says something about someone because of their ethnicity they make a comment about i don't know japanese people let's say you made a a a comment about japanese people and uh some physical characteristic that they generally share could you make it as a comment directed at one japanese person And at the same time, have a best friend who's Japanese. Now, some people would say no to that. I would say yes, you could. Because when we want to insult someone, this is how the human mind works. When we want to insult someone, we have this amazing supercomputer in between our ears, encased in our cranium. We have this amazing supercomputer, and we look at this person who we don't like for whatever reason. Maybe we're justified, maybe we're not. We look at them, and we see, aha, Here's a physical characteristic they have that stands out. Here's something they've done before that stands out. What do I know of this person? And in your mind, your supercomputer is going, do 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 and it spits out, they have uh, a crooked nose. They have, they're overweight. Uh, their skin color is different than mine. They... Hold a certain religious belief. They have a certain sexual preference. And whatever that characteristic is that differs from the comparable characteristic that you hold becomes a fertile ground for you to pull it into your darkest recesses of your mind and manufacture it into an insult. That's where homophobic slurs come from. That's where religious slurs come from. That's where racial slurs come from. That's where body shaming comes from. That's where insinuations about the person's character come from. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a this. He's a that. That's where it comes from. That's just how the human mind works. And so I don't think that John Gruden should be viewed as any different than anyone else who's made an egregious mistake? Does he apologize for it? Does it, first of all, does it match up his public behavior toward people? I don't think this does. I I don't know of any instances where any players in the National Football League have said, you know, John Gruden never played black players. That'll be news to Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and Keyshawn Johnson, even though Keyshawn Johnson doesn't like John Gruden, that's his right. But, what? Oh, now, now, so now you look at it and go, aha, that's why John Gruden played Mike Allstat at fullback on his Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. No, he played Mike Allstadt because he was hard to tackle. That's why he played Mike Allstat. That's why he had John Lynch at safety. Oh, he had a white DB. He must be a racist. No, John Lynch, pro football Hall of Famer, okay? So I find all these obsessive, uh, histrionic, shrill reactions to a football coach being a knuckleheaded football coach. Projecting it toward this is indicative of what white people are like or this is indicative of what coaches are like or this is indicative of anything. It's indicative of nothing more than John Gruden has the same dark side that I have, that you have, that everybody has. And I don't know if the air in Stephen A. Smith's world is fresher to breathe today because John Gruden is no longer an NFL head coach. But I have made this mistake many times in my life. Looking for ways to climb, to to perceive that I'm climbing higher because I'm standing on someone else they are the mountain i am the king of said mountain and i just believe that it is a joyless sinful way to live and so i think it's too i think it's too bad if john gruden never gets to coach again has john gruden been a drain a net negative in the world as a leader a net negative, like he's he's done more harm than good with some emails he intended to be private to Bruce Allen that now everybody's read. John Gruden never done anything good enough to outweigh the damage of that. I'm not a John Gruden fan, apologist, friend, uh, acquaintance, but I don't believe that. And I don't think you believe it either. And I don't believe Dan Orlovsky or Mina Kimes or anybody on ESPN who is delighting in, oh boy, content, yay. This will give us three days on NFL Live. We can virtue signal. We can show how superior we are. I don't believe that there's any real benefit to that. It just makes us an angrier, more guarded society. And um, maybe that's because I know that We all need forgiveness. John Gruden needs it. I need it. You need it. And thankfully, it's available to all of us. But even if John Gruden, I don't know what John Gruden's spiritual situation is, but he shouldn't have to live the rest of his life ducking his head with people labeling him and yelling at him and all this kind of stuff. So it's funny to me. Um, It's not funny to me. It's sad to me that this is the practice we want to engage in in our society right now. So let me just put a little faith bow on this. Um, Forgiveness is available to all. If you don't understand phrases like the gospel, the Holy Spirit, um, salvation, grace, Those are all spiritual terms. It's a very simple equation, okay? I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll say it to my dying day. If everybody in the world is going to be held accountable, and they are, for what they do, their own individual choice, how they view and what they do with the life of Jesus Christ, and he was a real historical figure. He walked the earth. He was fully man and fully God, 100% both. If everybody's going to be held accountable for that, then the standard by which you are held accountable for that it would only be fair if every if it was so simple that every person in the world could understand it right because if the if it's too complex like you're not going to be judged on where you spend eternity based upon whether you can solve uh, trigonometry. <laughs> because I'd be in a lot of trouble. You are going to be judged for eternity on the fact that the Son of God came to earth as a man and died on the cross so that he could pay the price that every single mortal in this world would have to pay for the sin in our life. Every single one. We don't have to pay that price only because Jesus paid that price for us. But, but, you have to accept and stand on and claim for your own atonement, for your own forgiveness, for your own redemption, for your own salvation. You don't just get it by showing up out of the birth canal and living. You have to say At some point in your life, God, I know I could never meet your standard for holiness based upon my own behavior. All I have to offer as a rebuttal for the penalty I must pay for my sin is that Jesus lived a perfect life and his blood covers my sin. That's my qualification for heaven. Nothing, nothing do I bring to this equation. And that's the, that's the standard. That's it. That's the gospel. I'm not good enough. Jesus was good enough. I claim his goodness. I'm in. That's it. That's the gospel. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's biblical truth. Simple, irrefutable, eternal biblical truth. And knowing that, claiming that, living that, enables you to have a peace that no one who lacks it will ever understand or comprehend. It is the most awesome way to live. Take it from a guy who's lived without it and take it from that same guy who now lives clinging to it with every fiber of strength in my body. That is what I have for you today on the We Tackle Life podcast. And I am very happy that you spent the time listening to the podcast. I'm hoping you will join us again on Friday for another edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. We'll go back through a little bit more on the Browns and the Cardinals, a little bit more on the Bengals and the Lions. Maybe I'll talk to Spiels in the interim. Uh, That would be fun. So have a good day, and I will talk to you again soon. Send me an email. WeTackleLife at gmail.com. Review the podcast on iTunes. Have a good one.